Hello friends, this is Ritesh from RetailRitesh.com and welcome to the uh, Simplifying Retail Podcast. Today I have a great friend and a retail expert. Uh, her name is uh, Haike and uh, she is one of my retail inspiration and she's uh, one of the fashion retail expert in the Middle East region and she has been uh, involved with various brands uh, whether it is luxury and as well as fashion brands and currently in her role she is helping lot of business owners lot of CEOs lot of retail entrepreneurs and startups with her uh, wisdom with her expertise in uh, field of uh, fashion retail and she has done from the academic side she is a masters in uh, international uh, business and she is, has been a great inspiration and uh, to me personally because I have been following her uh, on LinkedIn for over three years and it is recently that we got to know each other face to face and she has uh, obliged me by participating in today's uh, podcast as a guest. So welcome Haike. Thank you so much and I can only say it's a pleasure being here um, and very much likewise I follow you on LinkedIn as well and you great inspiration I think for not only for me but for so many people and you bring a wide expertise you're very well connected and it's always very interesting to have a conversation with you so it's like it's fantastic to be here thank you so much for having me thank you Heike uh, it's like we both keep inspiring each other that's <laughs> that's something I like absolutely uh, so today uh, the agenda or rather I would have a, this kind of a conversation with you wherein uh, the objective of simplifying retail podcast is information sharing so that people who are listening to us learn uh, the key message and if they can action on it in their businesses and grow that is the overall objective so uh, my first question you have been involved in fashion yes uh, you have been handling yourself uh, in your role as a business owner mm. uh, by the way listeners Heike belongs to Germany and she has been an entrepreneur herself she started her journey as a business owner running her fashion uh, boutiques uh, in Germany very uh, successfully and uh, so how has been the journey Heike I mean you started as a retail owner of a fashion store grew that business so successfully mm. and uh, what has been your experience with luxury brands as well as with the bridge to luxury or we call it fast fashion brands what has been your experience Germany and now in Middle East mm. well it's uh, you know it, it has been quite a journey and you're very right you know um, allow me to say that by my background is actually finance. So I, my first education is banking, which is what I've studied. And so obviously in all the roles I've been in, it was always a major factor that it's driven by numbers. And uh, you rightly said I was self-employed when I was 25 with my own store. And then since then I've worked for big brands like Tommy Hilfiger, Giruti, on Escara, you name it, Porsche Design. So it was a journey. And um, how would I say, I think it's principles uh, you have to follow. And uh, the first principle overall is for me, it's about people. How do I manage people and communicate very clear and transparent communication um, to get the people early on board and have a, like a joint vision. And I think this is where many companies fail because they are not as transparent. And yes, I agree on certain levels, you share like certain information, but I think it's very crucial and very important from the very beginning 
to to have a very like a common goal and a common strategy where you have everybody on board and then jointly you can you can achieve um, whatever has to be achieved you know it's not a journey someone can do alone it's always a journey of the team so any cool. success story I had in the past it was yes I'm maybe I'm I'm a very driven person you know I'm very energetic and I, I, I always look on the solution rather than on the problem um, but it was not it would have it wouldn't have been possible um, if not the entire team would have followed the same strategy I think that is very crucial that's a nice uh, thing which you have mentioned. Uh, I mean, yes, you are a right combination of right brain and a left brain. Being a numbers-oriented person and a creative person in a fashion field, that's a right uh, combination. Uh, I mean, that one question which comes to my mind is, uh, not many regional brands, except barring a brand like Elisa, which has made on an international uh, platform. What do you think, since you have lived uh, most of your life in Europe and now for... Uh, uh, four, four or five years in uh, GCC. What do you think is the main uh, hindrance for a local brand to go inter on an international platform? I, I think there is no hindrance. I think we limit ourselves uh, often by trying and testing the market. I, I, I personally believe, you know, a lot of local brands would be very successful in 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 other in other regions like in Europe or even in in America. Uh, it, it is often that they might not have the vision or scared to not understand and I think that is very much likewise the other way around as well. So before I came I didn't know what to expect and people in Europe they often say oh my god you go as a single mother alone to Dubai to the Middle East how do you feel and I said it was an amazing experience because people are here just very friendly very embracing and it, it was an amazing journey but I can see even today because some of the brands I'm working with are based in Europe so they they don't understand how the system works and this is the other way around as well so you have to look for a specialist in that region who understands what is your vision and then knows the local um, structures and governments and you know regulations and then you can do the, ro the rollout so this is why now the European brands comes to me because we speak the same language because you know we have the same understanding and the same education and they ask me how is it how can we make it happen and and I said look it's not difficult you just have to follow the structure and you know, how it works and it's it's actually very much possible and so I don't think there is any hindrance in rather having the vision and then bring it to exec uh, execution. So th th there is definitely seems to be a potential for local brands to go uh, international. Absolutely. That's a nice uh, take out. Uh, my next question to you, Haike, is uh, like you have been, or uh, if you can put it in a case uh, manner, uh, for uh, have you been involved in any turnaround of any brand wherein you, the brand was given to you as a loss making brand? Mm -hmm. Every the PNL was a big red, mm -hmm. and then you could over a period of time turned her around into positives yes so and if you can uh, without naming the brand though if you can let uh, let us know or the audience know what are the key things that one should look at when it comes to turn arounding a retail business mm. uh, again it's not just a one one way you know task Correct. you are, you have to you have to look on multiple factors so in my expertise and you know i have been most of the time in my career 
been brought on board um, when the companies had struggled. And I helped them to lift up the business and increase the performance. But let's talk about a fashion brand. For me, the most crucial part was in the past that I looked first on the buy, for example, is the buy right? What are, you know, the markdowns, the average markdowns um, it was taken? Um, and, and then also, how is, you know, how is the, what is the output of your staff in the stores? Because many fail to measure the performance per staff. So I become very, I'm very micro in that regards, that we look what is the performance per staff per hour in certain stores. And yes, you have to take in consideration that like people say, how can you compare, for example, the store in Dubai Mall with the store in Algoher? Mm. And then I say, well, in Algoher, maybe you have three people. In Dubai Mall, you have 15 or 18 people, you know. So this is where you then compare what is the contribution per staff and then you can measure them. And then when you, again, when you're very transparent, you know, even in the past in Europe, you know, we implemented a system so they could see on a daily basis where I am, what is my day, what is my monthly target, what is my average daily target. And then I could see how, how much I'm behind those targets and, and how can I make sure that I catch up and so that I will at the end of the month um, achieve the target. So this is where the area managers then come in place and this is again when you all speak the same language and everybody understands what is the overall goal and they work with the team members individually, help them to improve, you know, mm. uh, and, and coach them and teach them and buddy them up, for example, with the top seller and say, look, you know, you follow him or her, see what he or she does, you know, how does he or she so approaches the customer, what does she say, what does she offer, and then you try to learn and help them. So it's not about, okay, we, the low performer, we let them go and, you know, we, we replace them. It's rather investing into people teaching and coaching and mentoring them and allowing them to bloom and to flourish. So, so it's the buy, it's, the, it's the, the appreciation, it's the team, it's the structure, it's the communication. So there's a multiple level where you have to look at and this will help you then, you know, to, to, to turn the business turn the around. Business around. Very well said. My key takeout, uh, listeners, is uh, invest in people. I mean, right from your hiring technique to your hiring strategies to getting the right people on board and then empowering them to perform. You don't hire them to do, do what you tell them to do. You hire them so that they can suggest what you have to do. I know. And I think it's, it's, not, it's actually not that the person is in the wrong job. I think it's the wrong job for the person. Very and well sometimes said. in the past, I then moved these people when they're not so well performing in one position, maybe they perform in another position much better. True. So you also is when you speak to them, because sometimes we go for an interview and we don't you know, understand what it entails, the position by itself. You only really capture it when you're in the job already. And then often it's late because you realize actually it's not what I'm capable of or actually not what I like. And I think that is where you again as a leader, no matter on which level of store leader, area leader or operations or whatever, speak to your people, understand where is their pain points and help them to find a solution for those. And then they will perform and the, the output will be so much greater. 
Great. Uh, Heike, uh, you seem to be very number driven. Yes. So, uh, what would be uh, your advice when it comes to from the academic side to uh, mid-level managers, maybe at a store level they are working at, what are the key retail terminologies or, uh, you know, like you previously just now you mentioned something, they have to know what is their daily target, what is their conversion uh, goal mm. per store for that per day, weekday or a weekend. So, what are the key terminologies as per you? you would suggest a store level personnel into retail to monitor on a daily basis so that they can grow not only their store business but also grow uh, as a professional in mm. retail um, field yes so actually for for my teams i've worked in or with on every level even on a sales associate you know assistant store manager store manager they need to know their KPIs, key performance indicator. So they need to know their conversion, they need to know the UPT and the ATV. So, and then they have obviously the, the, the overall target for the month and then broken down on individual staff uh, target for the month and then everybody knows what is their average target per day. So that is numbers everybody should know on the floor. Because even as a sales associate, if you like, if you know, is it okay, like 100 people come in, 20 I actually greet out of those 20 I have to convert at least you know two with a conversion of 10% you know so I, it, it's just like they have to, to work on they have to understand how many people have I approached and how many of them have actually bought and when they realize what is their personal output, then they know where there's, where where there's room right. for improvement. You're right. Right. You said. So this is where it's, it's very, and then UPT is also, cool. uh, you know, they know if, for example, when we do our evaluation on a daily basis, we can see, okay, some staff, their, their UPT is, for example, an average seven, but then they only do maybe four transactions, while someone else has maybe 20 transactions and every UPT is three. But then it really depends also on again, the value, transaction exactly, value. You exactly. might uh, sell, one customer can come and buy 10,000 drums worth of uh, goods, exactly. whereas uh, 10,000 customer coming and buying one uh, drums out of a product. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I think that is really where, as a team, everybody should know what they're working for and I think that is where you have to have, again what you said before you have to invest in your people correct and this pays off one thing which comes to my mind is you know when we started or at least I started my retail career one terminologies was like a bible to me was o o open to buy OTB yeah. budgets off lately uh, as you notice uh, in the uh, if, when you visit any of the malls all every mall looks like an outlet mall mm -hmm. all the retailers especially in the fashion apparels and all are in uh, having that red color banner 70% off 50% off this has become a norm a norm of the trade yes so i uh, do you think this people have uh, become much more in order to liquidate stocks they have forgotten or have misused otb yes definitely i think overall when you do your budget planning you normally you plan in what is your average markdown throughout the year obviously with peaks in different months you know when you have a full full sale uh, like a, f a full price sales month or a sales month and i think many companies do the calculation wrong on that end already so when you plan that you plan so much more markdowns and i think if you're a little bit wiser and you say okay i don't want to do so much markdowns obviously then your buying becomes much more lean hmm. on the other side as well i was very particular in my last jobs that on a weekly basis we were looking on sales through 
like if you have different category manager like merchandisers they have different segments you know they were asked to look on a weekly basis on the sell-through and the markdowns because on that level already you have to manage it it's not down on the store but, but it's actually you know already on, on the merchandiser side that they have to really monitor um, how is the product performing and if some of the products are not performing then already middle in the season they can do either can do a price correction which does mean not a markdown not but it's just a correction of the of the retail price or obviously then we can also say okay we're going to do a promotion to buy two for one buy two get one free or whatever options you have but i think that is much smarter than waiting until the end of the season and then to flush the you know the everything through the sale and because then you know you have a dead september because people have been spending in july and august all their money and then when september comes they don't they want to don't don't want to buy right. anymore and especially here in this region it's very difficult because you more or less you have a very like small window window and variancy also in temperature right. so actually your t-shirts you wear your t-shirts all year round you yes. know so you don't need to buy actually new True. so this is where i i feel definitely otb is is something where you have to start to make the correction obviously right. this you will only feel after six months because obviously the lead time um, but but definitely it's a point uh, which which is very very important my key take out listeners is otb is a strategy uh, strategic uh, planning tool uh, if used is like in uh, when we while cooking it's like a salt you have to add uh, salt in a right proportion otherwise it spoils the uh, entire dish similarly in a retail business otb is like a salt it can make or break your retail businesses my advice uh, to the uh, you know the floor level or even the merchandise planners uh, is they should spend at least one day on the shop floor because businesses are not run on excel sheets or worksheets or uh, you have to be on the floor check why the customers are touching your uh, merchandise but not buying it talk to them and you might get your promotion next promotional idea from a customer so that brings us to another question uh Heike, since you have been into a fashion industry what future of fashion do you see what do you mean exactly uh, okay uh, we today we all are going through the pandemic thing yes. today uh, the especially the uh, apparel uh, clothes uh, manufacturers or retailers there are certain restrictions that like a garment one stride has to go for 48 hours quarantine mm. so when all this limitation especially on now fashion moves on online mm. we have a omni channel coming in wherein it's a physical and a digital sort of a stuff uh, uh, emerging together my question is where do you see the uh, fashion brands moving from the current scenario wherein they are working under a uh, lot of uh, covid 19 restrictions when it comes to the trial rooms go bags etc the, for the apparel merchandise so from current uh, scenario there is no fashion show it's all becoming all uh, digital. digital and the trends are changing every 10 days a new trend is coming in mm. uh, so where do you see the fashion industry coping up from current level it's a difficult if a dif difficult question because obviously i don't know what's going to happen um you know out of the past experience um and seeing mature market for example in regards to e-commerce 
you know, Europe and the US, they have been in e-commerce for the last 20, 30 years, but the market share never exceeded actually 20, 25 percent. Now, yes, because of COVID, it has grown dramatically, but I think it will come back to a normal level, like maybe 30, 35% e-commerce, and there will still be always a remaining of 65% brick and mortar. Because you cannot imagine the experience people want. And even I feel the same. I, I haven't spent a lot on, on, on online because I want to I wanna still feel get it get it get it get you know how what does it look like and i don't want to just do it at home you want to you want to have the journey you want to have the experience you want to go to stores you want to be you know speak to people so i i definitely believe that the brick and mortar will continue to have his existence for sure we will have to work on how we serve and increase the customer service that you do more about the experience that you that the the teams in the stores are taught to convert also the customer as a service to the e-commerce. Like for example, when a customer com comes and he has tried it, they say, you know what, no worries, we quickly order it online and it will be delivered directly to your house. So before you even reach, it's going to be at home. So that yeah. is like where you can then, you know, use True. the transition to the e-commerce and use it as a, a part of the service for them. Or when they order online, I said, look, we would love for you to come to the stores and Got pick it. it up because then you can try it on and then see if it all is correct. So I, I think we have to think out of the box, being more proactive, of what we offer to our customer but I definitely believe there is a very strong future for brick and mortar and we should not neglect it and focus just on online. True. In fact, what you just mentioned, uh, Heike, there is a brand uh, called Nordstorm. Mm -hmm. They do the similar thing. Like you go to, they don't carry the entire, uh, you know, the assortment in the store. They have one, one pieces of each. You go, try it. If you like it, the sales staff comes with, your, with their iPad. You click it, order it online. Before you reach home, your exactly. dress gets or a garment reaches your place. Exactly, exactly. And I think that is really a, yeah. a nice innovation yes. and, and good idea. And I, I think that we will learn more and more to live with both worlds. You're right. However, I definitely believe brick and mortar. Many people say brick and mortar is going to be dead. I don't know. No, it is not. Yeah. Because we're all human. We all want to see each other. Exactly. We want to get the like the vibe. And you even you know when you go on on these webinars and whatever and then you see the people it's a totally different experience and then when you sit face to face, face like to we face. are today we have a coffee True. together or tea you know it, it's it just makes it such a different world True. and this is why we are human you know and, and i think that we should really encourage and also nourish to yes. come back to a new normal but still having that human interaction which is absolutely beautiful in fact that reminds me of a tagline by a old uh, cellular company called nokia it's they used to call the user tagline called human technology yeah and so connecting people oh, that absolutely. was uh, their uh, key communication advertising message absolutely, uh, absolutely. Heike, it brings us to the last question of the day and the, as you know the business of fashion is margin driven yes what will be your advice to the core retailers or retail entrepreneurs so that they can maximize their intake margin 
and uh, finally the exit margin listeners what i mean by the exit margin is the actual realization you have something called gross uh, margin or an intake margin and after all your expenses after uh, taking out the rental staff salaries returns etc you arrive at actual realization people call it in retail terminology sometimes as exit margin mm. so what would be your uh, uh, advice to those uh, retail entrepreneurs who are who have entered into the business of fashion mm. so how can they optimize their margins well you know margin is again it's a relative relative factor because some businesses where you maybe have 55 intake but you have a high volume you know on a very little um, write off or or markdowns 55 might be enough and actually you, you maybe end up to have like 52 exit or whatever you know so i think if you, it's, it's not necessarily that you say, okay, my intake needs to be 70 or 80 or whatever. It comes what we discussed before about the markdowns, average markdowns. What is my product? You know, if I like, for example, in fashion, if I buy smart and I have not a lot left over, I'm happy with like maybe 68 or maybe even, even with 52 or so intake, because then, I, you know, you have to navigate it through the markdown. What is my expected markdown? And this will then dictate what you have to have as an intake so I think many many companies they look on the top line but I think when you do a business plan which I do you do a bottom-up so I see I know exactly you know what is what like let's say I want to have an end margin of let's say a ratio of like say 50 percent 15 percent of of sales so um, to get this what and then taking out maybe my rent to sale ratio is 23 my staff cost is maybe 15 uh, you know so when i when i do all my calculation then i can then i know what sales do i need to do and what 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 um, and is it achievable you know and then i can do my calculating from bottom up and then i know what is my what what do i need actually as an intake to make it profitable that's a very nice insight, Heike, that bottom-up approach is like a strategy. As a retail entrepreneur, one can decide whether they want to have only basics in their assortment or they have to have a component of fashion. And accordingly, they can arrange their assortment or a merchandise mix. I mean, most of the people, I think, so in the fashion industry, follow around 40% basics and 50-60% is all your fashion. Mm. Am I right? That's normally it, it a depends. segment. It depends upon brand to brand. Like for example, if you look at underwear, in underwear you maybe have sixty percent core, core and then forty percent fashion. Yes. When you then look for, for example like a sportswear brand, it, it's probably maybe fifty percent is repeat, and then uh, you know maybe fifty percent is fashion. Correct. So, so then new models maybe you know it's or like, if it's a fast fashion it reverses where yeah, you have eighty exactly. percent fashion and exactly. only twenty percent basics. Uh, listeners uh, basics and the core are the same terminology yes I mean it means the same yes some retailers use core which means basics basics are your normal tees and normal t-shirts which are like evergreen like a striped shirt or a yeah. you know ch checkered uh, shirts which are evergreen and doesn't go out of fashion so some retailers calls it basic some calls it core so when it comes to fast fashion it totally the yes. merchandise mix changes correct. Correct, correct. it was lovely talking to you Heike and Thanks for sharing your wisdom with my listeners of Simplifying Retail Podcast. I am sure the listeners will get benefit from your uh, wisdom which you have shared today. And my uh, strategic tool which you have uh, take out for me personally is 
people's management one has to completely focus on uh, the bottom up approach which is like a strategy one has to look at don't look follow the norm start from the bottom normally people start from number of stores and the top line growth they want it's the right strategy is to start from bottom and see what you want actually in your pocket end of the day so this are the two and the third thing which i would uh, which i took out from this discussion is invest in your people so that's one of the key three yes. things uh, which I would like my listeners to take out from this discussion that we had with Haike. And you. Haike, thank you very much. You can contact Haike on LinkedIn. She is very active on LinkedIn. You can uh, please send her a connection request and she's, uh, she will genuinely accept it. So, uh, <laughs> very true. Yeah. So with, thank you once again, thank Haike. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it and I'm um, looking forward for the next one. Thank you. Uh, thank you listeners. And stay connected uh, soon we'll come up with the next episode and on our next topic so keep following retail and simplifying retail thank you